Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Victoria Suen, who goes through her journey and story. Wait till you hear this. I think I feel like recently we've have we've had more younger people on this podcast than ever before. She is 30 years old, but started her real estate investing journey when she was 19. She's now an architect. On this episode, we're talking about what she does around design and permitting, lot severances, renovations new builds, feasibility studies, retrofitting, Victoria does it all. And wait till you hear the sweat equity that she has put into her own investing career. I mean, some of the things she has done have just blown me away over the last 10 years. I can't wait to see what she does over the next 10 years. You definitely need to be following her on Twitter. Her Twitter, sorry, this is Instagram. On Instagram, her Instagram handle is at build, B-U-I-L-D, X lab. So it's at build X lab. She was a recent rock star inner circle member of the month where she shared her journey and her story, which is what gave us the idea to bring her on this podcast so that we can share these stories with a much broader audience. So we are super pleased and happy and thrilled to be able to do this. You're going to love this chat with Victoria. And if you are listening to this and you haven't checked out our October 16th, your life, your terms event yet, you can do that at your life, your terms event.com. That's your life, your terms event.com. At that event, we're doing a brand new rockstar economic update where we get a kick out of breaking down the global macroeconomic environment, talking about the Canadian economic environment and how it impacts us on the streets with our real estate investing right here in Canada. We're going to be doing a local real estate market update for the Golden Horseshoe, where we'll talk about the latest we're seeing on supply and demand and interest rates all of that things. We're bringing in a couple people who are doing really great stuff in the area to share their experiences. We have a guest speaker, Jeff Booth, who is the author of The Price of Tomorrow. That is a fantastic book on technology's impact and why it's forcing deflation upon an economy that is trying to force inflation. And we have these two systems battling each other out in real time. It's a, it's, it's a surprisingly easy read for such deep material. But, and if you haven't checked that out, I would highly recommend it. So The Price of Tomorrow by Jeff Booth. You can learn all about the event at yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. That's it for the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life your term show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Victoria and Erica Spencer. Victoria, I didn't say your last name because I don't want to mess it up. Okay. Victor <laughs> Let me try first though. Victoria Suen? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty. Swen. Just give it to me. Tell me <laughs> how I'm supposed to say your last name. What's the proper way? Yeah, I just say Suen. Victoria Suen. Just say Swen. How do you say it? Yes, yeah, Swen. Okay. Okay. There we go. So Victoria's here because you have a pretty crazy story, and I mean crazy by the best way possible. You got to walk me through this. First of all, I asked where you were born because I didn't know if you were born in Canada or in China. Maybe both yeah. parents born in China. Yeah, both parents born in China. And then you told me, yeah, I'm born in Mississauga. And we're like, oh, yeah, we grew up in Mississauga. So yeah. <laughs> I was actually born in Toronto, but uh, Nick and I both born in Toronto, but quickly moved to Mississauga, yeah. um, Burnham Thorpe Dixie area. You are Eglinton Credit View area. Mm -hmm. And we were just saying you uh, you grew up close to where that property was that almost bankrupt our family. Yeah. So if you're ever at Mississauga Road in Eglinton and if you drive north on Mississauga Road to, towards Streetsville, mm -hmm. the uh, just a block kind of north of the lights there on the left, the house was there. It's marked in my mind forever. Yeah, it's crazy. Just around the corner from my parents' house. Yeah. 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 yeah they yeah. still live there, so. They do. Yeah. Got it. And you were saying both parents, we talked about that a little bit and I didn't expect to get into this, but both parents born in China, your father worked in Hong Kong for a little while. Mm -hmm. When did they come to Canada? Oh, I don't even know how long ago it was now. Probably over 35 years. Okay. So they've been here oh, yeah, for I'm 30 now. So you're 30. And uh, so they've been here for some time. Yeah. And how many, how many siblings? I have three older sisters. So that, that definitely played a role in part of the real estate journey. Yeah, so walk us through this. So how did you get in, right in, in the story that you shared, so you shared a, a beautiful member of the month story with us. And in your story here, you say you were watching HGTV and you knew you wanted to get into real estate. So you just made an appointment to go see some properties. It sounds like the age of, 
of 19 or even maybe a little earlier. Can you just walk us through that? What, yeah. Why you were always interested in property? Yeah, so having three older sisters, um, I, I would see them, they'd kind of work summers, they'd have to work in the kind of factory, um, helping with packaging. And I knew that I didn't want to work those jobs. So like very early on, I would work these summer jobs just to make money. And I guess I just knew that, you know, there's just like a better way to like save money or invest in money. So I got into investing pretty early on and I bought like mutual funds through my mom because I was too young to buy them. So she actually had to um, sign off for me because because I was under 18. Um, and then those returns were good, but I was just thinking like, oh, like I want to do something else. So then I looked at real estate and I watched a ton of HDTV, all the flipping shows. So I, I knew I just wanted to do it. It just seemed really exciting. And I thought it'd be a lot of fun. Plus it's like good in terms of an investment strategy. I thought like I didn't know the numbers at, at all. So um, I didn't know how to go about it. So I was talking to one, one of my sisters and she's like, yeah, yeah, just do it. So um, she's just like, I don't know. I didn't know how to do it. So um, I didn't know any real estate agents in my network. So I just went on the internet and found somebody like Mississauga real estate agent. And then I just booked an appointment with somebody I found on the internet. Can you imagine, just like imagine Erica, you, you were sitting there and Victoria shows up at, at you're 19 at this point. Yeah. It's saying, Hey, I want to go look for a property. I mean, uh, how, how did that go? You saw the first property. Did you buy the first property you saw? Well, how did that work? So yeah, I booked an appointment. They're like, okay, you can come to the office. And then, um, Oh, they were I, trying to get you to sign a buyer's agency. If they asked you to come to the office. I d yeah, I, d I really don't know, but they just had this conversation. And then at this point with it booked, I went to my oldest sister. I was like, Hey, like I have this appointment with a real estate agent. Do you want to come with me? And then she was like, okay, I'll come with you. That's fine. And then he walked us through several condos in Mississauga. So at the time around square one, there's not too many um, condos. This was back in 2011. So there was a couple and then he showed us units, he shared the numbers. And then with my sis older sister along, she was like, oh, this actually kind of makes sense. Like we can cash flow a little bit, um, not a ton of work, really turnkey. So she's like, okay, that makes sense. Um, so she kind of was sold on the idea through that appointment. Um, but then it turns out that her boyfriend's mom was a broker. So then she reached out to her and then she was like, why buy a condo? You should buy like a townhouse or an actual house. Like you guys, I think, can afford it if you kind of pool your money together. And then we started looking at different properties with her. Cool. Holy smokes. Um, so then you bought a property. So after that, you look at the condo, you don't buy a condo. You end up buying, is it a house in Cambridge? Is that what you did? You pooled your money. Did, did all your sisters get involved? Yeah. And yeah. you bought this so property. So you bought a townhouse in Mississauga. Oh, you bought um, a townhouse in, in Mississauga. 2011, yeah. In 2011. You rent out the townhouse? Yes. It was, it was pretty turnkey. So the four of us um, put together some money for the down payment. And then my older sister, she's seven years older than me. So she could qualify for a mortgage at the time. She had a job. So... Um, yeah, she was okay with that. And then we put our money together and then rented it out. What a great group of sisters all getting along together, putting their money together. Did one, did one of the sisters hate your guts for doing this? Like, I'm sure somebody like was like, I don't want to do this. You're dragging me into oh, this. Oh yeah, there definitely was. So okay. there's like some <laughs> sibling dynamics there, but I think the three of us were on board, my oldest sister and then my sister that's three years older. And then my the, the third sister, the fourth sister, she was not, she didn't really understand. She didn't understand the numbers. She's like, how are we making money from this? But at this point with the three sisters on board, we're just like, you have to do it. Like, <laughs> you kind of just bullshit yeah, yeah. her into it. Yeah, 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 got it. You're in, listen, <laughs> You're this, is a, this is a family thing. And then, so how did then, do you go, do you then stop the property thing? Cause it, then you went off to school. Like, how do you oh, get yes. to this kitchen or property? Walk us through that. Is it, you go to school and leave real estate alone for a little while? Exactly, yeah. So. I went to school and I guess I didn't, yeah, didn't really understand real estate investing as like a business or like how you could really scale that. So yeah, just kind of growing up with the mindset of you have to get good grades and get a job, get a job and make good money. And that's kind of like on your way. So it's kind of just following that path. And so I went to university uh, for architecture. And I kind of just left real estate for a while. And it's funny in architecture, they kind of tell you not to think about, you know, the numbers and like business. Um, 
So it's kind of like frowned upon in a way. So that's because it's just all about the design and the the artistic representation of what you're building. That yeah, for sure. And also, architecture as a practice is like a service to the public. Like um, they see it more as um, yeah, just like a service to the public um, for the greater good. You don't think about the money and that kind of thing. So do what's right. Yeah, even though. Obviously, like money is always part of the equation, <laughs> so, you, yeah, so you, can't, you can't leave that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And ultimately, mm-hmm. when you leave school, like all projects have a budget and that plays a role in the design. So it's kind of unrealistic to say, but they try to keep that out of like part of the education. So I think I started to think or stop thinking about real estate in that way. But then when I graduated, that's when, you know, I still had that interest. Um, I, I felt like I wanted more like building experience, like very hands-on, whether it was kind of like physically building with my hands or just understanding like the whole process of like, how do you buy real estate? How do you think about developing it or just getting a full picture of how it all works? It's interesting just how your other sisters probably didn't have these same interests. And it's just interesting how we're all so different. Like why does Victoria coming from the family like that and you said building with your hands like you knew you wanted to get into this mm-hmm. and it feels like it's an advantage almost when you're younger and you know you want to get into a certain field because I feel like I drifted around like I got into you know I think I, I started school trying to become an engineer mm-hmm. and then I got into chemistry like I don't know why like I didn't go downtown Toronto I realized the Mississauga campus for U of T didn't have engineering programs so I was thrown into chemistry for some reason then I realized I hated chemistry got a Bachelor of Science in Psychology. I think U of T is the only school Mm -hmm. that offers a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, not Mm -hmm. a Bachelor of Arts. And I have a double major in Sociology. So like I just like drifted, Mm -hmm. no clue. And then I had a heart attack moment at the graduation where I realized what I had learned. I had no skills, Mm -hmm. like I had no skills. (laughs) So then I had to go to a postgraduate IT school for university graduates for like nine months. It was like $13,600 to learn some actual skills that I could then get a job and then I went into software. So I feel like I was just drifting around and then I stumbled into real estate Mm -hmm. thinking, oh wow, like this isn't gonna really take me to where I wanna go. But I feel like with you, you kind of had this like inner feeling where you just knew a little bit of the path you wanted to take. And I feel that's... Yeah, but I think I uh, like in high school, I didn't know like where I was going to go either. Like I remember you had to apply to like three different universities or programs and then like the deadline's coming. I was like, I don't know what I'm applying for. So I guess I'm going to throw out three applications and I guess it's architecture now. Like, um, like, I think I had a sense of generally the skills or things I like doing, but I didn't understand like how that could turn into a career. And then I think where um, maybe I started getting molded into like what I should be doing as part of society is kind of like, oh, you have to go to university. So naturally like, okay, what programs are out there? And it's like, okay, I need to be like, get educated and get a good degree so I guess like architecture is the most advanced one so I'm going to go that way and like I think I could have been a real estate agent or I could have done something in construction or real estate without um, necessarily going to like that path but it was kind of that was the path I needed to go on because that's the way I was brought up so I kind of think back on that there's so many different ways I think um, I could have went and naturally fall back into real estate even though I went that path um, but it didn't need to be that way. No, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like society just kind of forms us. Yes. Like yeah. go to school, get this degree, you know, and if you don't go, maybe you should go. Really mm-hmm. think about going. You're kind of like it's an unwritten kind of feeling you get. You know, exactly. you should go to school. I kind of think about that more and more as my son, he's at Western. He's 19 in second year. And I see what interests him and what he pays attention to. And he's seen what we've done as a family with Rockstar, he sees all the member stories all the time. He worked here this summer. So I feel like sometimes like, what's going through that head of his, you know, just the, some of the conversations that we have. I'm wondering at that age, mm-hmm. with everything going on in the world now, with what's possible, mm-hmm. and then all the technology and all this kind of crypto stuff that we always uh, talk about too. I'm like, wow, it's just a different world. And how many careers those kids will have, or, you know, young yeah. adults will have in their, you know, path of career choice. I mean, when you were young, it was like, probably like one career and that's a lot of people your colleagues like kept that job for their whole life for their career their whole life yeah and then as it 
evolves. Yeah, it's definitely changing. Now millennials are like, oh, my first career out of five potentially. Right? Yeah, and I kind of like that. Like I yes. know you, you're an architect mm-hmm. now and you have that base, but you can also do anything you want. You know, yeah, exactly. I feel that way. Mm-hmm. I think um, having that exposure to different things would have been, I think, really helpful back then just so that you don't feel like you need to go on this path. I think I definitely felt that, but um, I think more and more people are open to the possibility that you don't have to follow like the traditional path of university or college and that there's so many jobs that don't even exist today. So, mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, so much of the stuff uh, that's happening right now um, is doesn't even exist. I don't know if you, y- yesterday, we're a little off topic here, but yesterday Twitter announced that you're going to be able to tip people who you think offer value. So if somebody publishes a great article or hosts a podcast or produces a video, you can actually tip them. It's through Bitcoin, of course, which makes me happy. So (laughs) I'm I'm really like, you know, kind of like, this is amazing. But but, yeah, but aside, aside, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asking for me to get any kind of, I'm just saying, I'm just saying Bitcoin is serving this kind of awesome need because now if someone's halfway around the world in another country, but if they're offering me value, I can actually send them something of value back. And I just think that changes the world for the better Mm -hmm. because someone could be sitting in Argentina, Brazil, you know, Slovakia, somewhere, anywhere, and we can all be participating. Whereas um, we've been, you know, we grew up with nation states and you kind of can send money around and participate in your nation state. Mm -hmm. But now you can just kind of see how a lot of these borders, not just from education and careers, but just national borders just seem to be slowly kind of drifting away. And I think the next generation is going to grow up and look you know, and, and say like, what, what, you know, why do we need these nations? Actually, um, it was my son. We were in Las Vegas this summer and he was racing Ferraris. And, uh, yeah, I'm just thinking about that. We're definitely a spoiled family. Hey, my <laughs> son's are racing Ferraris. It's something I, you know what it was? It was totally like the dad, like, I wish I did this when I was your age. Let's go race Ferraris together. Um, but he saw there's like a military base close to Las Vegas and a fighter plane kind of went flying over, made a huge noise. And, and, uh, Aiden just looked at me. He's like, dad, why do, you know, why do we even need these big armies anymore? And at his age, like in his mind, they're just not even processing that right. like there was like a history of having big armies and that's how you protected the nation state. Mm-hmm. So in his world view and context, mm-hmm. he's like, why do there should be no need for this kind of thing? Like it just seems right. so foreign to him to have that. Anyway, we're way off, we're way off topic. We'll bring it, we'll bring it back. <laughs> so you, you went to school um, and then you get back into the real estate game. How do you end up in Kitchener with this property? Oh, so I went to the University of Waterloo. Um, so the architecture campus was in Cambridge, but I did a semester, uh, in Kitchener. And then after I graduated, um, I kind of saw a lot of the tech companies growing there in Kitchener, Waterloo. And I was really interested to see like, how does that begin to maybe play a role in how the city is being built and are there kind of cool architecture design companies? And, you know, I just wanted to be there. So I decided I got a job in Waterloo. And then I started getting bored at my day job. So then I, I was looking at property and then it was super cheap at the time. Like I bought that one in the low 200s. I think it was like 220. And I, I saw the LRT was getting built and condos were going up. So the whole uh, midtown of Kitchener was developing. So it was kind of like a no brainer, like houses around the Google. There. Didn't Google put its campus or yeah, something? Yeah, they just moved there Yeah, as well. okay. So... I think the the condo prices were more than some of the houses there. So I was like, this is a no-brainer. Like, I buy this house, these condos are going to get built, and then they're naturally at least going to be at what the condo price is, Um, if not more, obviously, because there's land. So, yeah, I bought a house. It was like a bit of a fixer-upper, and then I I did some work on it. Yeah, Yeah, very cool. And your sisters, did you cut them out at this point? They weren't as interested yeah. in, in real estate. Like, I think they were cool with, like, the one property, one investment property. Um, they were off, I guess, working. They wanted to have, like, their own place. Sure, so. yeah. And then you survived a lot on that property because I think you had to do the reno- – did you do the reno- some renovations yourself? I did. Part of it was because I wanted to learn, and part of it was trying to save money, but I think I slowly learned that was not the way. But I think it was it was just an interesting process. Like I tried to do as much of the work myself just because I want to work with my hands and like understand construction and stuff. So um, I kind of did the demolition. I did some of the drywall. I um, did the electrical. I um, And eventually I hired some of the stuff out. Uh, it kind of took you way too You did the drywall long. and electrical yourself? 
Yeah, I took like I put up the boards. I didn't like mud and tape. I hated that yeah, job. But, but still putting up the boards, <laughs> like the I mean, part. these are oh like yeah. So it's funny. Like I didn't have a boyfriend at the time, and like my neighbors were like, "Oh, where's your boyfriend helping you?" And I was like, "No." And then they just see me like, and I got a drywall crane because like like one person. So you I'm literally to, like, did this by yourself. Not nobody so, was helping you. Like some of it, yeah. But eventually, like I did some like half of it myself, and then I was like, "Okay, this." Because a sheet of drywall is four by eight feet. Like yeah. this is so you had to get a well, drywall. Oh yeah, yeah. So the 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 that part, the ceiling part, I did get somebody to help me. But like okay. the boards on the the walls, I would actually put up myself. But it was like, yeah, it was ridiculous. I I eventually <laughs> figured out my limit, and then that's when I like hired up the help. But I think it took way too long to learn that lesson, and that renovation took, I think, like six to eight months. Like yeah, way too long. Yeah, but the lessons that you picked up from doing that yourself yeah. now are serving you so well. Because yeah. when you hire someone, you know what's involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, good for you. You, Victoria, I mean this in the best possible way. You're totally kind of like a badass. Like that's that's serious shit that you you did there. Yeah, Especially with the neighbors coming out talking to you. Like that's intimidating. <laughs> you know? It, it was, it, they're like super friendly. That was like the first time I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be a homeowner because like the neighbors, <laughs> they're trying to be your friend. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, like I don't know. It's it's just funny. I guess like at the time, I was still like early 20s. So then I'm still used to like being at my parents' house and just nobody's talking to you because you're like the kids. of. And you have a full-time job at this point? Yeah. So you're doing this at like evenings, weekends? Yeah. So I'd finish my job, go to the house, do a bunch of work, then go back to Mississauga. I was still living with my parents at the time. So I was doing that whole commute. And that was part of the reason why it took so long. But yeah, I took like weekends, evenings, working on it as much as I could. Good for you. Awesome story. Holy smokes. And then, and then what? So that property, then you rent out? Yeah, so I eventually just rented it out, a single family house. And I think like that was the project where I was kind of like, okay, there has to be a better way. Like I don't want to be renovating by myself. You don't want to be a drywaller? <laughs> you don't think, drywall wasn't your calling? Yeah, I grew up with drywall, so I feel like that's just in my blood. Uh, I but, still hate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so then that's when I started looking at like, are there real estate groups? Like where are people I can learn from? And that's where I found Rockstar and like, I was just internet searching again, I guess. Yeah, got it. So you stumble into us. That's when you meet Erica, Yeah. I assume. Um, and then Erica, what, you'd start going out with Victoria? Because you're able to buy more property. Is Victoria drinking you? Erica is definitely driven. So yeah. I'm just wondering, between the two of you together, who's dragging who out here? Were you dragging Erica to places you wanted to go see? Or were you listening to Erica and saying, hey, show me some other stuff? There was no dragging. The first, no. The first day out, she were offered on two properties. No way. The first day, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, who is this guy? Yeah, who is this guy? Yeah, and you had the financing in place or you were just going to make the offers and then figure out the financing yes. after? Yeah, the latter. Yeah. I think we only bought the one and then the second one we didn't go through with. So I guess where, I thought, I was just like, okay, I thought we could do it. So, yeah. so where was both, so. where was this? What did you show? You went to... St. Catharines? Yeah. Okay, and what did you show Victoria? What kind of properties? Single family homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're mostly... A turnkey, I would say, like maybe a bit of cosmetic work, but yeah, single family homes at that point. Yeah. And then at that point, were you, were these just going to be straight rent? So you were looking for something that was didn't need repair, just a, maybe a little bit of cosmetic stuff, yeah, exactly. be able to straight rent. What was important to you? Was Erica, Erica, were you sharing just like rent numbers and carrying costs? Like how were you analyzing those properties? Both rent numbers. I, the one you renovated, Chaplin, you did a lot of reno. No? It was just paint and, yeah. Um, yeah, a bit of renovation, not, like, extensive at all. But I think for me, it was, I didn't even have St. Catharines on my radar. So Most um, people don't. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think time. people do now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly now. But I think back then, I was like, that I want to buy in Hamilton. 2017, right? 20, 2017 20, or yeah. 2018. Like, early yeah. 2017, we're looking. And then I yeah. think I bought in 2018. But... I think I wanted to buy in Hamilton. I was like, oh, let's go to Hamilton. They're like, oh, I don't know if that works for the numbers that you want to look in. So then they're like, how have you thought about St. Catharines? And then I was like, not really. Uh, so they kind of educated me on like what's going on there and it's a good market. And eventually she convinced me that. Yeah, yeah, we can like it's. Yeah, it's I feel good. like there wasn't too much convincing involved that you were. You oh, saw yeah. the yeah, you, you saw the, you <laughs> saw the numbers. So, so yeah, two weeks, two and, weeks then, of convincing. and then you bought into so you have the Mississauga home with your sisters. You have a Kitchener property. Then you go to St. Catharines. You make an offer on two properties. It seems like really quick. You pick up one of the properties. Do you remember what you bought the property for? And it's three oh nine. Three oh nine in two thousand seven. Eighteen. Two thousand. 
18. So it's two, two, three years ago now. Yeah. Um, how much do you think that property is worth now? Ballpark. I, I know none of us are going to have an exact number. High fives for sure. High fives. Okay. So walk me through your St. Catherine's journey. You buy one property or multiple properties? I just bought the one there and I think I took a month to like paint it and then rent it out to single family. So that was pretty good. And then I think, um, kind of paused for a little bit. So I didn't buy anything. And then when I reached back out to Erica, she had like a newsletter of a Best Buy property. And then I think at the time it fell through. So then she's like, actually this property, it's kind of back on the market if you're interested. Um, but it was in Welland. And then that was like another. Yeah, like, oh, Welland. <laughs> you <laughs> tricked me into St. Catharines. Now you're saying, what's this place called Welland? <laughs> exactly. So I was like, I don't know about Welland, but I guess That's like. That's the face, the Welland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, she's like, but then I was thinking like, she convinced me about St. Catharines. So I was like, okay, maybe. So then she sent me some articles about like Welland. And it's like, like it's okay. I think it turns turns out to be a pretty good city. So then. Um, I think, yeah, I think she, she showed me some like pictures and video. I think I bought it sight unseen because you showed me other properties in Welland, but then we didn't decide to go with those. And that's when you showed me this one that was on your Best Buy newsletter, but we didn't go take a look at it, but I just put in an offer. I think I was more sold on like, okay, Welland's okay. I'm fine with just. I think the last four you haven't seen in person. Yeah. 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 Just Erica. I trust trust what she sends me. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about that too much, but so many people after we, after you develop a relationship with people that you believe are going to have your back, well, we see that over and over again where investors are just buying properties sight unseen. But did you see it maybe during the home inspection, or was yeah. this a firm deal with no home inspection? I, it wasn't firm. It was. Con- yeah, oh. I think we did see it. Um, I remember like. I like how some neither of you can exactly remember. <laughs> yeah, remember. Yeah, like, listen, <laughs> we bought this property. I don't know if we got a home inspection. I don't even know what we bought. I don't <laughs> even. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I still own it. I know I'm getting some rent. <laughs> exactly. I'm getting some rent from somewhere. So this property you buy sight unseen, you're renting. Well, I'm, I'm curious. You say you were kind of convinced on Welland. So I guess we look at things like, you know, it's kind of a natural place where population is kind of moving into um, more people can't afford close to Toronto. So just the population's kind of growing out mm-hmm. there. Then we look at rents and property prices. And if the rents can carry the expenses to us, it's like, okay, we have population growth coming that way. We have a rent of this amount. The property can be purchased for this amount. Kind of seems to make sense. Is that how you looked at it? Yeah, for sure. I think like the numbers definitely is like the first indicator, but I think generally I still like to invest in a city that I believe in. That's why I invest in Mississauga. That's why I invest in Kitchener. And a lot of those cities is kind of understanding um, where the city's economic development was going and their overall approach. And um, Kitchener, they're like really strong on like tech, um, investing in transportation, public transit, whatnot. Uh, They had the university. So, so many good indicators. And in my opinion, it's like the best of the tri-cities. And even like working with, like I talked to some of the economic development people, they're just way more pro-development um, than the other two. So I felt the same way with Welland. Um, talking to other investors, um, city of Welland's easier to work with than say a city of St. Catharines. Um, Welland having, you know, a good, you know, manufacturing base, um, a lot of like good indicators in economic development. So I felt like, similar thing in that within the Niagara region, it had really strong indicators as a city. And then pulling, you know, the, um, uh, I guess, drive from like Hamilton and St. Catharines, I think it had some of that pull into the city, even though it wasn't as close. But um, overall, I think learning about that, I felt more convinced about the city on top of the numbers. Yeah, very cool. And that one had multiple exit strategies. So it could have been student rental or two families or single family. So, so it was close enough to Brock. So it could have been a student rental. No, Welland. Sorry. Welland, um, so Niagara College. Niagara yeah. College. Sorry. I thought it was St. Catherine still. Sorry. Uh, Niagara College. So it could have been a student rental. And then what else could you have run that as? Well, she put a basement suite and so that's two families, but it was single family. Mm-hmm. Okay. She bought it. So, so you, you hired a contractor to put in a, a, a second suite into that? Yeah. So I did the own, my own drawings for the Oh yeah, uh, that makes sense. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah, are, that's fun. You like, are a badass. Hold <laughs> on, I'm just going to draw I'm going to do some drawings <laughs> up on this thing. Holy, what an advantage you have. Yeah. 
So like, I knew what to kind of check for to make sure that it was possible. Um, and then I submitted the permit drawings. And then, yeah, Erica helped me out with finding different local contractors. So you checked with the city to see what the legal requirements are for a second suite. You're the architect, so you can make the drawings. Mm-hmm. You submit them to the city. You have a huge advantage right now. Yeah. Huge advantage. Mm-hmm. And I think going forward in this whole area with laneway, garden suite property, like there is so much stuff coming out that no one really knows how to get the approvals on. Mm-hmm. If you can do your own drawings, you're going to be able to uh, to do a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. There's somebody from Toronto. I think it's a, it's a, uh, it is a firm from Toronto that's coming on the podcast soon. And they were the ones, I guess, working with Toronto to get some of the laneway housing uh, approved and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this is going to... Oh, is it Lanescape? Maybe? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. You You know them? Oh, yeah, they helped uh, draft, like, some of the preliminary... Yeah, okay, got it. So, yeah, I probably should know more about them. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so they're coming on soon. (laughs) But I just think that's a a huge advantage to you. Mm -hmm. Holy smokes. So you get that approved. Sorry, Erica. She also, Victoria has this um, amazing talent that she sees things that people don't, like, even we go out together and I don't, like, McCormick, I didn't see that one at all. Like, she's like, oh, we'll just do this and it'll be... Yeah, walk me through that more. I don't know. Like even even um, that was the next one after um, this the next property, one. The second property. In it Wales. had been on the market like 115 days or something, and mm-hmm. it was we went to go see it. I think I saw it, and then you came after. Yeah, exactly. We did that because that's tour. rare for you. Because Erica, you're really good at this real estate game. Yeah, she's better. She's the designer. No. Yeah, like, yeah. Because like, for you to walk away from a property and not see it is rare. Because you'll see an opportunity in things. So yeah. If you're walking no, away, and the, awesome. so what did you see? Do you remember? Yeah, so it was like quite a bit square footage. And then I was thinking about like um, adding a secondary suite again. But the basement was kind of small, obviously, with like the mechanical room. So and then also the entry to the basement was in the middle of the floor plan. So there was no exterior exit to it. And it was too close to the, the neighbor on the side to do like a side entrance there. So what um, I proposed was kind of splitting it vertically, adding a vertical wall, using the back entrance to be serving um, the basement suite. So uh, the kitchen and the living room would be on the ground floor, and then the bedrooms would be in the basement. And then the front of the house would have, like, kitchen living, and then the second floor would have the bedrooms. So it's, yeah, it's, it's more of like a vertical split. So you're putting a wall right through the middle of this house vertically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's rare. We don't typically, so Eric, I could see why you wouldn't <laughs> see that because we usually don't deal with that kind of stuff. So you see this house and structurally you could put a wall. Did this wall go right through the basement too? No, it didn't. So it's kind of just a partition wall. Like yeah. it didn't go from top to bottom. It was kind of just splitting the ground floor in half so that you could use the front door for one unit and then the back door for the other. And how did the upstairs work? Uh, it was just all three three bedrooms. Three, three bedrooms, two baths. But, but you didn't have to split it? No. Okay, because the way it was laid out, it would work with just a partition wall. And by partition wall, you mean like a drywall wall exactly. put through the, the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, Did and you do your own drywall? No. No, oh not God. that. Learned what about soundproofing lesson. in that wall? Did you put some extra soundproofing yeah, in there? Yeah, so that one needs to have 30-minute fire rating. And for a wall, it's a little different. I believe it's one layer drywall on one side and two on the other. Because it's not just fire rating, it's also sound sound yeah. rating. So, um, and you the the city could approve that. You yep. knew because of the bylaws that they would approve that. It's it's just building code. So yeah. So as long as you follow the building code. Um, yeah, okay, that's be, just building code. Yeah, because yeah. it's not a second. So you're basically just putting up this partition wall. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a second basement suite of some sort. You're just following the building code and then yeah. renting out the two two sides of the house. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I guess, I guess depending on the bylaw, they could stipulate like the secondary suite or the second unit has to be in the basement, but usually they're not defining it that much. So in this case, it was partially on the ground floor and then in the basement. So they didn't have anything against that. So, and, and then because I'm slow this morning, obviously the one, one is the main floor and upstairs. The other one is the main floor and downstairs. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind so of like smart. two L shapes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Holy smokes. How much did you buy that property for, roughly? 367 Wow. And what is the income you're generating on that thing? Um, Ballpark it. It's like $3,500. $3,500. Holy smokes. This is where people walk around and say, you know, there's no more opportunity. Like, I can't <laughs> tell you, Victoria, we just had a class last night, and some of we have probably like four or five questions. 
it's too late to buy real estate in the Golden Horseshoe. There's no opportunities left. Mm -hmm. And I just look around. I'm like, how hard are you looking? Like there's opportunities everywhere. Now your level of creativity here is amazing. Like to do what you just did there. You're basically, you basically bought a property on the the unicorn 1% rule on the amount of rent that you're generating to the property right. purchase, mm-hmm. like nobody does that anymore. Mm-hmm. Nobody buys, like if people ask me, and if you're not familiar with the 1% rule, it's all these real estate books don't that were- Don't even say it, because people are- I know, yeah. I know. I mean, <laughs> don't don't even it, explain you know, it. Yeah, if you're interested, you Google that one up, honestly. <laughs> but uh, that's freaky that you did that. Holy yeah. smokes. And, okay. and speaking about like opportunities, Erica and I just uh, put one under contract, got one. So we just bought one off the MLS. This is so when, there are like, uh, you, this is what you were mentioning ago. when you came in. Exactly, okay, so yeah. two days ago, where's this one? Welland. In Welland. There's yeah. a Starbucks in Welland now, so it's. it's, it's <laughs> oh my yeah, God! There's a, a Starbucks. Right? In, they're closing in Oakville. There's just they too many. To I had like f- <laughs> at one point with the, I think the Longos had one. Then there was a Starbucks, and then there was one up the street, and another one there. Around me, I'm like, no wonder they're closing. Like I had like six Starbucks around me. I'm like, there's just too On many. Every block. Yeah, is. like <laughs> everywhere you turn, there was a Starbucks. You know, so they're going to Welland. There you go. It's, it's an up and coming destination. <laughs> We said it would be. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. So, what is it? What's the property that you have? Is a single family home? Oh, that one. Yes, it's a single family home. I, it could either be a duplex or a triplex. Uh, oh wow! I can convert it to. I don't even know the triplex. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't. I yeah. was thinking about. You didn't it. tell me that. Hey, you no. guys are a wonderful team here together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, I was but. thinking about it. More. I went to see it, and then she had to. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric, we haven't actually been there together. No. So. I was looking at it. So Erica saw it first, and then she showed that it was pretty good, and then we put an offer on it. And now we know Erica's going to see something, but then Victoria's going to ramp it up to the next <laughs> yeah, level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clearly. You're making me look Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Erica. No, in Erica's defense, you are amazing and do a great job at all of this stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, I think it could work really well as a duplex. When I visited, though, the main floor was even bigger than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, wow, this is like crazy it'd be almost like an oversized three-bedroom upper unit so then there is because it's so large uh, there is potential to split that I think um, into like a two-bedroom unit and then a one-bedroom unit I think and knowing the city how city of Welland works um, I think the way we can do it is first we get a permit for a secondary suite Um, we can close that and then once it's a two-unit we can add a third unit as a secondary suite and then close that permit so that's yeah that's more specifically to welland and how they kind of yeah can allow that um not all cities will allow like three units that way but again like city of welland's pretty pretty good in terms of um adding affordable housing and kind of pro development so it's funny so now that the the education that you've received you kind of went through, is it, is it a stage where you go through that stage of having that designation BCIN and then becoming an architect? What like is that? Like learning these things? or Yeah, like what is BCIN? Oh, B- BCIN stands for uh, Building Code Identification Number. And um, it's a series of exams that you can take. And what it allows you to do is that you can uh, sign off on drawings or stamp drawings up to 600 square meters and three stories in building height. So that's like perfect for smaller renovations, like um, adding a secondary suite or, you know, a small retail space or something like that. But anything beyond that, you would need to get um, somebody with, you know, a higher designation so that you can build more or renovate. And the higher designation is becoming an architect? An architect. There's also um, a a technologist, like an OAA technologist. Okay. Um, But yeah, those would be the two other designations that would allow you to build more. Yeah, got it. And so now you are an architect. Yes. You're done. You have your architect designation. Am I saying the right words here? License. License. You have your architect license. Um, and it's something that you kind of just stumbled into. It's, it's almost like after school, you had to choose what you were going to do. You no, just, it's, it's actually it, like just following the path in, in a way. So Like I it got, seems like the path is working for you is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. I, in my mind, it's all like jumbled together, but then slowly kind of made its way. Uh, it's Maybe on the outside, it, it seems very linear, but 
Um, it does. <laughs> yeah, it seems very linear. linear. <laughs> Bought a property before I went to school, then I went to school to become an architect, yeah. and I kept buying properties, and I'm using what I learned yeah. to just cr- creatively create cash flow from these properties, and I don't need to get a, plan- a designer because I'm just going to do the drawings myself. Right. People are going to reach out and be like, yeah. I want to do what she did. Yeah, and we're I want to be like, become Victoria. <laughs> but you're not Victoria. <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, there's only one Victoria. Yeah. So this is really cool. So this pro- particular property, you guys aren't firm on this deal. You're looking no, we, at... we firmed up to oh, you firmed up on this yeah. deal and this is yeah. a joint venture between the two of you no. oh no this is another property for victoria yeah. did you cut your for some reason when you were seeing it i thought you were involved in this uh, together no. um are your sisters cut out from this property as well? I well, know you love your sisters and your family. So if they're ever listening to this, I don't mean yeah. to, to suggest that you're not trying to incorporate them into this. No, I've, I've told them, I was like, if you want to invest in real estate, like I'm, I'm still open to it. I think they're just more, they don't want the hassle or even when I've proposed, like I'll be the active investor. Um, they're not super interested, but I've always left that door open if they are. So they, they know I'm continuing to, continuing to buy properties and they they've joked like oh when are you going to stop and I'm like I don't know I guess when it's boring or I don't know whenever I feel like it um but it's it's still fun to me but um yeah this this property in particular um I have proposed it to some joint venture partners nobody's kind of jumped on board yet so if if not then I'm going to take that on myself and that's cool like it's it's basically like a home run deal so uh, it's no brainer in my mind dot 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 opportunity <laughs> yeah it's basically I don't know why no one Call wants to jump number. in on this it's a home run opportunity why do you think it's a home run what is the income on this property do you th- what type of income do you think you can generate on this so we bought it for 460 and it could be a duplex or triplex if it's a triplex i think the rent could be like 40, 4,200. Because or? each, 4,200, that much, eh? So walk me through each unit, what you think you would rent it for? So like a two-bedroom unit, uppers, like 1,600. Two-bedroom basement could be, say, 1,400. Okay. And then a one-bedroom, let's say like 1,200. 1,200, so 42, yeah, $4,200. Yeah. Uh, and then, sorry, the, what did you buy it for? 460. 460, holy smokes. Wow, good for you. And that then puts at, you at the 1%. Yeah, let's not even talk about the 1%. But um, and Speaking then it, right now, it's being purchased as a single family. It is, yeah. So it's just the equity that you're going to get from turning this into a potential triplex, just that alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, based on acquiring it, renovating it, we could pull out a lot of the equity, if not all the equity. Um, or like down payment and renovation costs when we refinance. And that, you should be on HGTV now. Yeah, you are an HGTV <laughs> like story. Burr. Yeah, yeah. So, and is that what you've been doing on past properties to help you buy future properties? Exactly. So, yeah. can you talk about that? Do, sure. you, do you just go and refinance when available, when you can qualify? What What's your thinking around refinancing? Yeah. So, ever since I guess buying the first one in Welland with Erica, that was a conversion. I've been doing that strategy of buying it. Uh, renovating it by adding a unit, lifting its value, um, and often, I guess, with the market doing so well, it's been able to pull out the equity and more. So that's been the the way that I've been able to recycle my money and then put it into the next deal. Um, so you've so been able to pull out all, so on the Kitchener property, you pulled out everything you put in? So the Kitchener property, uh, the market did so well, uh, like that was supposed to be a buy and hold, but in two years I pulled out all my down payment. Got it. Same with uh, St. Catharines. You said it's supposed to be buy and hold. Have you sold the Kitchener property? Well, I, I still have it. Oh, you uh, still have but it. But you've pulled out all of your initial down payment exactly. and more from that property. Yes. Yeah. And same with the St. Catharines property. Like we bought that. Um, and then two years later, um, it went up enough in value that I could pull out uh, the down payment. So two years later, you pulled out your down payment. Yeah. It's, it's like, funny. I didn't need to do much work to it. Just. It's funny the bar that we're setting here because Nick and I, when we started, like we pulled, we did the same thing, but it, it didn't happen in like two years. It took a little bit longer to be able to get enough equity to pull it out. And then we thought, oh my gosh, this real estate thing is magic yeah. because you use your down payment to buy a property. You wait a little bit and when you can, the banks will allow you, you'll be able to pull it out through a refinance or through a credit line or something. And then you just get your money back but you don't lose the asset. That was like our... I know, yeah, me too. Yeah, that (laughs) was like, no one explained it to us. And then when you realize that, you're like, wait a second. I put my money in. I get it out a few years later and I keep keep the asset. And if rents are good and the property was purchased properly, 
it'll probably still pay for itself. Yeah. And then you go do it again and again. And it's why so many people, when they meet us, they're like, I want to be like Victoria. How did she buy all these properties? And we're like, you kind of just have to get started. Like, exactly. don't think- she hit the markets at the right time. Yeah. That was a huge thing. And also she's, she's not afraid to buy in not the prime areas. Like the first one in St. Catharines was downtown. Oh, yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. was buying in downtown St. Catharines yet. She bought it. Great house. Why did you feel okay about having her buy a property in downtown St. Catharines? Because downtown St. Catharines is like one street to the next is hit or miss, right? Like any downtown neighborhood. So the street that she's on is a great street. There, you know, other properties on the street. There's a couple. I sold a couple on that street in the same kind of time period. So, you know, I felt good about the area. Same as Welland. I mean, the first one is like... That was an A neighborhood, right? Yeah, yeah. So that one's Chippewa Park. The second one, that's not where people were shopping when you were shopping. Mm-hmm. Then the third and f- the last one you bought is like prime location. Mm-hmm. The, but the the one before that, classic. Yeah. Is I mean, investors had not ventured. I mean, now they are like they're they're kind of spreading out. But it was when we first started investing in St. Catharines, it was that perfect north end triangle. Everyone wants to be in the north end. Well, by the time like. By that point, Victoria was out of the North End, so she she's seen a huge appreciation. So you were just like, it's almost like, you know, the early adopter in tech. You were just early in those areas and you mm-hmm. kept moving early. Then you were in Welland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not, yeah, not, not, afraid to, not afraid to wait for the, the you know, gratification to come. Like she didn't want to buy a, a prime North End St. Catharines neighborhood for whatever the price was then. I mean, they're worth more now, but mm-hmm. still, like, she was willing to take the risk outside outside the box. Yeah, just jumping into, I think we did get into Welland before it went insane. Um, But even I remember when we were buying in St. Catharines, she was already telling me about Welland. But St. Catharines was already... Erica's planting the seed. Uh, St. Catharines is great. Like, I know I just got you into this downtown area, but there's this other area. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. it seems a bit early at the time. But then I was thinking when I eventually bought in Welland, like how much it could have been like even better. Yeah. But... It's oh my gosh, we all have that. Exactly. Listen, when we were on the Hamilton Mountain, I'll never forget this. I uh, One of my old neighbors bought a semi-detached four-level backsplit on the Hamilton Mountain for 195000 These are in the days when we had the sellers pay for our closing costs, if you could believe it. Wow. All documented on the agreement of purchase and sale. <laughs> wow. and, uh, and back then, you could do investor 5% down. So he bought this thing at 195000 You do the math on 5% down. The thing cash flowed at 5% down. And I remember him, I'm not saying his name, but if he's listening, he knows who he is. I remember him thinking, I think you kind of ripped me off on that property, Tom. <laughs> you know, that was really high for like a semi-detached on the Hamilton Mountain. And I'm looking at him going, are you kidding me? If I, <laughs> if I had any more dollars to my name, I would be buying this property myself. Listen, if you don't buy this property, I'm just going to find every piggy bank I have at home and I will be buying this thing. That pro- I don't even know what that four level back split on the Hamilton now, beautiful community. Yeah. Um, 1.2. Yeah, oh yeah. but everyone That's thinks insane. they kind of like missed it. You know, everyone's <laughs> always, and Nick and I, uh, someone else on our team, when, when Hamilton Mountain single family homes, um, it, was, uh, it was someone on our team said, oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to do this anymore. We've missed it because a single family home on the Hamilton Mountain now is $234,000. <laughs> you know, oh and that God. was a legit fear because we were at like 219. Just think about that. That's how things change. It went from 219 to 234 and we were like, whoa. Cash flow numbers are going to hurt. We've yeah. missed the boat here. What are we going to do? And so I think everybody goes through that. And I, as you have some more experience, let this be like a warning for you. Mm-hmm. As you have more context and more experience, sometimes it works against you because yeah. you reflect back on what was. Yeah, even this past year, I think like looking back to the prices we got last year compared to now, being able to adjust your expectation quick enough for the market and being able to make your offers is challenging, but like it need like that's a skill in itself, I think. Because like if you're too busy reflecting on like the prices we got properties a year ago, mm-hmm. there's no way we could have bought that property today, even though we look at it and it's probably like a really good deal. But it's still a hundred thousand dollars more than like what we bought a property a year ago. So being able to adjust your expectations so you can continue to keep going is really is a important. skill. You and also see the glitter in the sand, though. I mean, yeah. she finds properties that's like this has been on the you know 115 days. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. I, I think that's the number. I think it was yeah. 100. Was I'm like, gonna vertically we, divide this property. Where are yeah. we even going to this house, Erica? <laughs> you do not see the opportunity here. This is a no-brainer. I'm gonna do a vertical wall. We'll put the bat insulation here for noise proof and the soundproof. Here we go. We're good to go. I knew. Yeah. I knew if anybody could do it, Victoria could do it. I mean, but yeah. I didn't but it's interesting know. what you're saying about expectations because it happens to us even here at Rockstar. Someone we were just having this discussion that uh, someone couldn't believe in Hamilton rents 
rents don't always move with property prices. So sometimes property prices go high and then you discount an area. So that's what happened to this person. They were like, oh my gosh, Hamilton's done. And then they just found out that rents on a, on a second suite kind of duplex, someone just got 2,400 upstairs plus utilities, 2,000 basement wow. level plus utilities. That's $4,400. So now they were like, oh my gosh, I had discounted an area, okay. but now that rents have kind of caught up, mm. I can go buy a single family home, mm -hmm. turn it into a second suite, and I'm going to be generating easily over $1,000 a month in cash flow on this particular property. But in their mind, they had kind of neglected that area. Yeah. So we all go through your point of like, mm -hmm. you always have to kind of like retrain yourself. And the way Nick and I do it for real estate, because we look at the prices now and we're like, holy smokes. Like, Yeah, you, know, you have way more context than yeah, me too. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I still make fun of Nick on this one particular property that he ripped me off on at 250000 <laughs> that now is about to, it's about to cross over a million dollars in Hamilton. And when we said that if that ever happens as a joke, that the real estate market was over. We're like, if that property ever is worth a million dollars, we know, because it's like slightly crooked, like the whole property. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this one property, we look at it and we're like, why? Remind me again. You I didn't like even like- hire Victoria to yeah, straighten oh. your house. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We actually had Andy Tran also looking. He's like, hey, you guys want me to look at that? You want me to do some drawings on that property for you? Yeah, so we'll have Victoria out there. Um, we need a power team. We, we need like yeah. everyone in you our You have life. enough equity to straighten the house. Now. No, we totally do. And it's, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> we were actually talking about just uh, bulldozing the thing down and like rebuilding like a, a proper kind of student rental property there. But uh, anyway, um, one of the ways we kind of, I don't want to say trick our minds, but keep ourselves focused on what's happening is all the monetary policy stuff. Mm. So we like to look at what's going on like in the world with debt and deficits and stuff. And then when we see what the government's going to do with more debt, we're like, hey, if they're just going to put this much more money into the system, scarcer assets like real estate are probably going to do well, especially when you mix in a growing population base into the prime economic engine of the country. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we do it. We're like, this is helping us think property prices are even going to go further than they are today. And part of me is wondering over the next 10 years, because property prices have somewhat tripled in some areas in the last decade. Yeah. yeah. And we're wondering, okay, can it keep that pace? And then sometimes I'm like, well, I doubt that it can keep that pace. But then I look at the amount of debt that's being created in the world. And I'm like, what happens if I'm wrong? Like, what happens if they're not tripling? What happens if they're going more? And anyone listening out there, I'm definitely not guaranteeing the property prices go up even 1%. But that's the kind of thought process. Yeah. I'm like, what, what, where do we go from now? More people, you know, supply is increasing, but it's not increasing dramatically. So it's going to be fascinating to, to see. Yeah, I just read um, they're considering raising the upper limit of high ratio mortgages. So now you can only do 1 million if you do less than 20% down. But now they're considering... Increasing the limit to 1.25 million. Is that something you've yeah, seen? Yeah, yeah, we have. And that's the number one question we get. Like, how are people going to continue to afford to buy? And I just think the government's going to make these changes constantly, yeah. including there's more talk of possibly for first-time homebuyers extending amortization periods. Right. Because it's not fair that first-time homebuyers can't afford, and one of the ways they can afford it is dropping the payments by extending the amortization. Said an, mortgages are coming yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, said another way, the banks are going to make more money yeah. on a longer amortization schedule, right. and the yeah. politicians look good because people can buy properties. Yeah. Um, it doesn't actually solve any of the bigger problems that we all have. But yeah, yeah I think we're going to see more and more of those kinds of announcements, and I think it'll spread out to beyond first-time homebuyers. Like they'll start with some of high ratio changes, like you're mm -hmm. saying, first time home buyers maybe getting longer amortization schedules, and then it rolls into like other programs. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, like I even fell into that like a little bit. I bought a property to live in finally in Toronto, and. Well, you I bought felt... a property to. What are you doing, Victoria? <laughs> yeah, what, I know. Was it like you live in your own property. <laughs> I know. I was trying to like push that for, as far as way as, way as possible, but finally did it and. Um, I felt a bit of that pressure as well, like being in Toronto and seeing the prices go and being like, you know, everything's a million dollars. And like, when are you if it keeps going this way, like, how are you going to afford it? Um, and us kind of being in like a pretty good position for us to be even considering that is just alarming. In a way. Yeah, good for you. I mean, you've earned everything you've been able to do here at this point. Let's let's admit it. Mm -hmm. And so what are you doing now? You're working, but you've also started your own 
firm? You're, you're, you have like a, a side hustle that's going to become a permanent hustle for you? Or are you trying to figure things out? Where yeah, you, I'm where? just kind of seeing how it goes. I think right now there's different options, like, you know, whether I want to do real estate full time or, you know, do architecture and design. Um, right now I'm kind of doing that on the side. I've been helping other investors, um, whether they want to add um, a second suite or um, they want to like go through a rezoning pro- process, like sever a lot, um, different things. People have kind of reached out and asked about different things. So um, if, if people have something like that, um, they can reach out. And what, can, So what's your contact information for that? Um, you, they can reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is uh, buildxlab, B-U-I-L-D-X-L-A-B. I'm sure you can add that in the, the notes. So buildxlab? Lab is a oh, lab. L-A-B. Sorry, I'm thinking slab like a concrete no. <laughs> slab. Sorry, build X lab. Yeah, yeah, cool. I like that. You are 30, handing out your main contact information as your Instagram <laughs> handle. I don't even have Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I so think that's you, the easiest way to reach out. Okay, and so, they can, so we'll put yeah. your Instagram handle in the show notes of this episode. Sure, so yeah. if you're listening to this on the road, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast, find Victoria's episode, and in the show notes, your Instagram handle will be right there. Yeah, perfect. Um, and that's for... Um, severing lot, severing lots as well. You're doing that kind of stuff or helping people with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I actually have a property. I'm hoping to do that. I, I talked to the city, um, of Welland and they're pretty, uh, pretty good with the proposal. Is it a corner lot or something? Uh, no, it's, um, which property are you talking about? No, I, I bought it privately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that Sorry, one Erica, <laughs> I bought this one right behind your back. No, wow. that one I bought, uh, privately and it's on a double lot. So, I'm hoping to split that and then maybe build on it. Um, but I proposed the plan to the city and they're open for me to put a triplex or a fourplex on it. Um, so it's just a matter of going through that process. But and it, when you split it, you would keep the existing property that build structure that's on it? Yes, And it, exactly. what is it? What did you say it was? Single family home? It's a triplex. Oh, sorry. It's already a triplex. It's already a triplex. And then we can sever the lot. And I proposed a triplex or a fourplex and the city was open to that. So That is the future. Like, do you know Spencer Brown here at Rockstar yet? No. So uh, Spencer Brown has been going around in, he was doing it in Orangeville. Now he's doing it in other parts of the greater Toronto area doing exactly like that. He's looking for properties and going to the city to see if he can sever them. Then he's buying them Mm -hmm. and then severing them. And sometimes he'll sell off the, what he severed just to somebody else. Right. And it basically will pay for the property purchase, you know, the down payment of the property purchase that he he, he got and more. Yeah. So he's just looking at it as a way to fund deals and do some of the builds like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I think that is definitely the future of kind of infill development yeah, here in sure. the Golden Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. In yeah. terms of pushing the envelope, Victoria is, is awesome. I mean, she designed my basement apartment in my house that I live in. Mm-hmm. And it was um, the first application in Ancaster for secondary suites and uh it wasn't a smooth process but Victoria like I wasn't allowed to put enough windows on the side that I wanted and she just kind of jammed it like she just jams it through and it just the second suite we're still working on but I mean she gets things approved that other people wouldn't even think about so I mean it's uh that, that creativity and that drive is awesome as a person working for you and so can you define if someone is listening to this and wants to reach out to you what is your ideal client for the type of work that you're doing can you just map that out again very clearly just so if someone's listening to this they know what you're looking for and know they know what you're not looking for as well oh that's a tough question um i like it's pretty early days in terms of like the the type of work i'm doing i guess like one of the clients I'd be looking for would be anybody doing like a renovation, like a secondary suite like that. Those are pretty straightforward in my mind. Uh, but more recently, um, a big ask are looking for like lot severances, looking at um, kind of even feasibility studies of, you know, have this project. I don't know how best to go about it. You ha- I have a lot of different ideas on like how I could add value to it. Um, can you kind of look at this and give me like two or three options. And then I can look at it in terms of the numbers and analyze it that way. So I've been kind of adding that as like um, a way to add value and provide my services. It's kind of like a feasibility, design feasibility study. That's another way I think I could uh, help. Yeah, Victoria, you're just an amazing story. So I, I mean that very sincerely, like good for you on everything that you've accomplished. This is insane. This is amazing. Retrofits too. I mean, there's a lot of clients that are maybe getting calls from the city on properties that were not legal or up to date. So Victoria has helped a couple of my clients or, you know, right. going in and saying, you know, this is the minimum that you need to do or, you know, just to get that legal, uh, you know, status. 
approval from the city so they're not ripping it like a lot of contractors will say oh you gotta you know burn the house down and start over like no she'll come in and say well if you spend eight grand you can legalize it and and now you know you're good like kind of the the minimum to satisfy the requirements um just to get kind of passed so that's a huge money saver for clients and I yeah. think what you're offering is just the opportunity to make cash flow on properties where people don't think there's cash flow. Mm-hmm. Because when you put your kind of thinking towards a project, sometimes I think some people will discount things way too early. Mm-hmm. They'll look at something and say, well, this is just not possible. Mm-hmm. But talking to someone like yourself, Erica, yourself, because you're really good at this. For all our joking, I mean, you are, you have been excellent at this. And Victoria, you're thinking around this. It just opens up possibilities where most people just don't see them. And I think that's always been shocking to Nick and myself. Like, mm-hmm. wait a second, you don't see the opportunity here? Like, mm-hmm. this is what's happening. You know, you can make cash flow. You can buy property. And I think that's something you shared in your member of the month story where you explained that you kind of took a pause from real estate because you didn't think you could buy any more properties exactly but if you put your mind to it there's always a way exactly yeah it's just a matter of i think it's more asking how rather than like um you know like kind of letting that roadblock kind of hit you rather than say like oh i can't afford this just how can i afford this yeah the financial wall that everybody hits i mean you definitely got to that point and just kind of walked around it like she just figured it out Mm -hmm. yeah and looking back like i took a bit of a pause it was you know, two years, I think it wasn't like too long. But even then, I, I think knowing what I know now, there's like a different ways that you could either like, you know, refinance or um, find money elsewhere, joint venture, there's just so many possibilities, you just need to figure out like, if, if you don't have like the money, then there are other ways to get the project going. It's that cliche, find the property and the money will come. Yeah. I remember learning except that for the, before. Except for the home run. She's saying, I have a home run here yeah. and I have presented it no, to a few people. No, but for people hearing that, that that tagline, like find the property and the money will follow, I used to bang my head against the wall and be like, what does that even mean? How is that even Yeah, possible? that just sounds like some theory. That's but garbage. But it's so freaking true. Yeah. You find the property, you see vision in it, you share your vision and people just throw money Money's and, and if you look at it, there are massive enterprises now looking to buy like a hundred single family homes at a time. Mm -hmm. Like there is enough money out there searching for a home. And it's what I've always thought is really advantageous for all of us Mm -hmm. is that we are playing in this market where the big, you know, the big money, the Mm -hmm. institutional money really has still some difficulty. Mm -hmm. You know, they can go buy big apartment building complexes and big commercial unit complexes and that kind of stuff. But to really get into the single family home game, lot severances, putting up a vertical wall, Mm -hmm. changing something from a duplex to a possible triplex, that's not their game. Mm -hmm. And it leaves a massive opportunity for individuals who want to get into the real estate market because the big money can't get in and a lot of other individuals think the game's over Mm -hmm. and there's no opportunity in real estate. Mm -hmm. For those of us who are willing to think a little creatively and understand what's going on and then understand maybe what's also going on in the money system, knowing that, hey, this is probably a good place to play, Mm -hmm. there's huge opportunity for all of us still, which I feel very grateful for. You know, and, and like I guess being creative, like that's where you find the best deals. Like you kind of see something that others do not, mm-hmm. and then you find the value in, or create the value, um, and then that's when you can get a deal with that's been on the market for fifty days or a hundred days, and you see the value that yeah others don't. She bought a property that had a concrete horse in the background. You know those great big oh yeah, yeah. yeah, Italian yeah. statues. Yeah. Totally, that's an Italian thing for sure. Oh, yeah. Did you that's sell that thing? For, Did someone? No, I think you helped me remove it. The concrete we horse to, is we gone. We want to give it to you. Oh my god, uh, you guys should have brought the concrete horse to the office. Tomorrow. We could have bought the office here for years. Our house had two big lions. I'm, I always asked our dad, why do we have two big concrete lions on the end of our driveway? Like these lions, like what are they representing? The paint job alone on that horse was so tacky. Oh, like man. it was just. It was like a painted spots like a cow but as a horse like on its hind legs <laughs> i bet you people walked away from that property just because of the horse like seriously what is this probably... concrete horse how the heck do you even get a go- is that a one hitter got junk call here take away it was in con- the backyard i think yes it was in the backyard and we put a clause that they had to remove the horse oh smart yeah yeah that's a smart clause yeah, <laughs> please please Don't want the horse. i know you love your concrete horse but get that concrete horse out of here before we, we move yeah. on um, yeah, Victoria, thanks for sharing your story. Uh, really, really appreciate this. Best yeah. of luck in everything that you're doing. And, and uh, I don't even think you need luck. You're creating your own path. So really pumped to be able to share the story and grateful because yeah, I know you. someone else is going to listen to this and take a lot from what you just shared. We're going to get great. calls like in a couple of days that are like, I want to I want to be her. And we're going to yeah, be like, yeah, mm. yeah, Erica, can you find me? I really have this thing. I want to put a vertical wall because I think I want to buy a house and put a vertical wall in it. Or they're going to want a concrete horse. Yeah, a concrete horse. horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Cool. So you're on Instagram at buildxlab, L-A-B. Yes, Build X exactly. Lab. That's yeah. where you can find Victoria. Anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, reach out. Um, anybody that potentially wants to chat about joint venture partnerships, um, any design-related things, whether it's renovation, retrofit, or like a new build. Um, now that I have my license, sky's the limit. So could build apartment buildings or bigger things. So yeah, definitely open to having those conversations. Oh my gosh, now that you're an architect, who knows what's coming with Victoria? You're right. Oh, you're not <laughs> yeah. capped. You're not capped anymore. Build the rock star tower. Yes, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing missing on the top of this building is the spinning sign that I've always wanted with the right. rock star logo we on it. We can make it happen. Yeah. Thank you, Victoria. <laughs> I knew this was going to lead to some greatness here. Um, and Erica, do you want to, uh, is it rockstarbrokerage.com? You can find Erica. Do you want to hand out anything else right now? Or is that the best place to find you? I don't have Instagram. I'm not as cool as Victoria. Yeah. So. Do you want to hand out your email or anything or no? Yeah, rockstar Brokerage. Erica at Rockstar Brokerage. Erica. With a K. Feels Erica with a K at rockstarbrokerage.com. Thanks to both of you. Really appreciate this. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Victoria. Remember, you can follow her and connect with her on Instagram at build, B-U-I-L-D-X, lab, L-A-B. That's at build X lab. We are thrilled to be able to share stories like this just because when we were starting out in real estate, if we had heard stories from other local investors, I think it would have pushed us even more. Back when we were starting, I feel like we were, it feels like the dark ages to tell you the truth. You just were operating in little silos and you have to go to different networking events to meet anyone. But now with the power of podcasts and social media to be able to share stories like this, I really think it propels us all further faster. So you can follow her on Instagram at build. X Lab. And if you're listening to this and you want to check out our October 16th, Your Life, Your Terms event, you can get all the details for that at yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. That's yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.